so the purpose of this whole thing and what we're doing is uh, I don't know what the hell we're calling it. I think this time we called it jamming with Jay Weiss or jam session with Jay Weiss. Really, it's all about business. So, uh, Ty, you let us know if we got any questions coming in related to business or, or setting up a business. Uh, I know we had a bunch of DMs come in over the we last did. week of pushing this. So we'll get into those. Let's kick it off. Let's kick it kick off. Kick it off. All right. Let's so uh, before, so I don't know. Did you know that I'm a fourth degree black belt in, in Taekwondo? I knew you did jujitsu or well, MMA. I've, I've done some of that. Well, a little bit, a little bit of that. Knees were bad, but so uh, I, I did martial arts for about twenty something years. About fourth degree black belt taught it in all ages from seven to seventy. Uh, so it's a passion of mine. I still love it. Still try to practice as much as I can. Which practice is that? Uh, so this is Taekwondo. Okay. So I also do Filipino stick fighting and then I did some judo, but mainly Taekwondo, right? So uh, when this question came in, I loved it because uh you know i still stay in contact with the martial arts school that i i was connected with but then also too i see other schools kind of putting the same stuff up and this question came in talking about saying you know they owned a martial arts school and since you know the state's closure of businesses they've been struggling financially and i think this doesn't just apply to martial arts schools this applies to a lot of businesses Mm -hmm. but in this case with this martial arts school it's kind of a two-pronged approach or, or kind of a two different areas first operations wise they're saying you know they haven't had any students in their school since the closures sure they're looking for some advice from you on how they can provide maybe a similar experience uh to keep students interested and committed during the training because something you should know and i think a lot of people need to know especially in that industry is that these contracts aren't necessarily can be six month or 12 months sometimes they can be month-to-month contracts which means you know, closures like this happen, the parents might say, look, if they're not going, uh, I got to cut it right now. Or, you know, unfortunately, maybe their parents got furloughed or they, they don't have the funds right now to, to continue it. So, yeah. And I think that any contracts that might have been in place that were, you know, uh, semi-annual or annually, uh, I think this pandemic gives you a, a act of God legally. Mm, uh, Colleen okay. can fact check me on that. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Colleen Meagle if you need some legal advice. Um <laughs> <laughs> the you know i don't know what the legalities are related to an act of god or whatever they call it so i would assume that sure. they're not going to be as binding as they were with all the craziness going on right. so without using that let's just look at it as a month to month it's and, and it's like my daughter was in dance i think uh she quit going prior to this happening but um know the studio there and and you know thoughts of them in the same type of situation where a lot of companies are going to go out of business or yeah. they're not going to be able to have the income to cover the overhead of what there is. Now, I know also on the back end of it, if they're in a lease type situation, you know, if they're furloughing all their employees, mm-hmm. if they're talking to their landlords about pushing back the leases, if they're talking to all of their vendors about pushing back those payments, some of those are going to be forgiven. Some of those you can put on pause. Others will get, you know, rolled over to the end of your lease agreement to where right. you still got to pay it. You just don't have to pay it right now. So whatever your overhead is, let's just say, I don't know, 10 grand for easy numbers, you might be in a situation. And, and a lot of people, what I've found is don't even know that. Well, I think by now they do. But if you call every single vendor that you have, every single person you pay money to from, phone bills to internet services to your vendors uh your paper products companies anybody everybody your subscriptions everybody for the most part is working with people to allow them to push things back a month two three or even longer that's good to know 
take advantage of that opportunity. It will help you survive or hopefully keep your head above water during these times. Um, I was, you know, mentioning that a few months ago is like, get on the phone, start calling people saying, hey, look, you know, all this shit's going on. Let me push it back. So they will work with you. Uh, but from a, a, a long term perspective, you know, that's temporary. Yeah. Uh, pushing all your bills back for a month or two help for yeah. a month or two. But right. this isn't going anywhere The you know, I wouldn't expect locations like karate schools to open back up for months. Uh, you know, it could be three months. It could be six months. We have no idea what's going to happen with it. Yeah. So you can't just sit around and wait or assume you have to make moves. And how do you take something that used to be uh, a retail location where people would come into the store, or your location and train? You have to pivot. You have to okay. get creative and figure out how you can offer the same service or something similar to the service and still be profitable. Uh, but it, you, you also, at the same time, have to still bring value to your client. So how do you do that? That's a good question. And who's your client? You know, your client are the kids coming in to get their belts and go through their system. The clients are the parents who are paying for it. Uh-huh. So okay. you have to, you know, kind of be observant of that and look at it two different ways. How can I appeal to the kids? How can I, and I know there's adult classes, but yeah. for lack of getting into the fucking details of it, let's just say kids and adults. Kids come in for the experience. Uh, they go through the chains to get their belts and rank and climb up, and there's a lot of different discipline that they learn, uh, accountability uh, along the way that they learn to reach those plateaus. And then it's a place for the parents to take the kids, have them active, have them doing different things. And it's also a break for mom and dad. So, uh, especially now with the kids at home, you know, homeschooling, I would take advantage of that opportunity and think how you can get creative and market to the parents as well as to the kids. So, if you're a typical karate class, you know, it's all about experience coming into the location. Right. It, yes, you could try to move to online teaching uh, where you have online classes, and that'll last and I don't want to speak for anybody. I don't know. Again, uh, for everybody watching, this is all my assumption. This is my opinion. This does not mean I'm right. This does not mean I know these businesses. That's my disclaimer. Uh, this is just my assumption. Doesn't mean I'm right. So don't hold me to all this shit. And please don't get offended if uh, <laughs> you're in one of these industries that I'm talking about. Um, I just, I, you know, it's an experience when you go to gymnastics you go to dance you go to karate you go to any of the shit yeah it's an experience it's socializing you're with the other kids you're doing things in groups there's camaraderie you're brings doing that competitive team. edge uh yeah. you know for a lot of kids it might be you know the coach uh, or whatever they're called is your you know somewhat of a parental figure for you they're a mentor somebody you confide in maybe you know you come from a single parent family you don't have a dad at home so this coach is kind of that father figure for you there's a lot of different reasons why people venture to these locations uh are these types of businesses and there's also a lot of reasons why the parents put them there mm -hmm. so now that that's not available yes you can go to a online course and so people can go to class but it's not giving the experience or addressing all of those other reasons why this is a viable business model mm -hmm. so you have to pivot You've got to change. Uh, 
How do they do that? <laughs> so what can be done? What's, what can what, be done? What can be done? Talk to us about that pivot and change because I know, I mean, you're seeing a lot. I mean, I've probably seen about five different versions of Zoom commercials from drinking socially to, you know, talking with family. So, I mean, is it that or what really is it? If I was a, a taekwondo or karate studio or something similar, dance studio, it all kind of falls in the same. There's only so long. I would give it 30 days, 60, 90 max where you're going to be able to keep your current audience or your current students engaged. Uh, I would say at 60, at 30 days, they'll do in it. They'll stay in it. They'll feel like they're financially committed. The parents want to keep the kids active now that they're all staying at home. So I think 30 days, you could probably see a zero to 20% drop in attendance. I think by the end of 60 days, you'll probably see a 40 to 60% drop. And I think by the night, you know, the end of 90 days, you're going to see a 80 to 90% drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's continuing the same type of uh, business model that you have now. You know, karate at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a completely yeah. different experience. So I think what needs to happen is you need to take on a role. You're basically, if you're an instructor, you are a coach, you're a teacher, you're a trainer. So take the knowledge that you have in your head and turn it into an online curriculum that students can follow not the same shit you've been doing for the last 10 20 30 years you have to pivot you have to change the way the 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 procedures the structures uh the infrastructure the way it all works you have to change it so that it's more consumable by your audience now now your audience is at home so you have to provide something a little bit extra or a little bit different that's going to cater to them the other thing that you might want to do, what would typically be an hour-long class at, in a karate studio, think about the parents. Everybody now is stuck at home. Parents are, are, are homeschooling. You know, parents, I know my wife, uh, people are getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. The kids are, you know, mommy, daddy, I need this, I need this, I'm bored, I want to do this, I want to shop. Buy this on Amazon. I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm yeah. hungry. I'm hungry. I'm bored. I'm hungry. I mean, it's probably what every parent is hearing right now, and they're pulling their hair out. Um, not all of them. I won't speak for any of them, but I, I'm sure that's going on quite a bit. So yeah. as a instructor, I would come up with a real quick curriculum that is different from what I'm teaching in my karate studio or taekwondo studio. I would make that curriculum, whatever it is, a three-hour curriculum, one-time deal. Uh, And then, you know, create other curriculums off that so that it's not the same thing every day. It's not like a a karate class that you go to every single day. This has to be different. So take everything that you've learned over the last 10, 20, 30 years in your profession and start developing different curriculums. And instead of making them an hour long, make them three hours long. Who's buying this? Who's paying for it? The parents are. Cater to the parents. Give them something that's that's going to, you know, get their kid out of their fucking hair for three hours. (laughs) So make it a three-hour, you know, any parent, I know I would. I know my wife would. I know any other parent that's sitting at home right now. If you've got something where my kid can go do it for three hours online and it costs me 10 or 20 bucks or 30 bucks and some parents 50 or 100 bucks, they're going to pay it. Just so they have, call it babysitting, for lack of knowing what to call it right now, and don't get offended. It is uh, a quick term that came to my head. 
if there's something to supplement what the kid is doing right now, right. to go stick them in front of a YouTube video and actually have them do something instructional for a couple hours to where they're not knocking on mommy and daddy's door or bothering them or pulling at them for food or being bored or whatever the case might be, the parents would probably be willing to spend that money just to give the kid something to do. Okay. I like it, man. So I think that's one way to cater to the parents. Okay. Uh, but from a business standpoint, start creating curriculum with all your knowledge that's completely different from what you've been doing, but it's still consumable by the child where the child feels like they're taking something away from this. They're actually learning something, and the parent sees that value so that they're willing to pay for it. But it's got to be a pivot. It's got to be something different than what they've been doing. Okay. Real quick, in 30 seconds, tell us uh, what platform would I look to uh, publish content like that on? Are we talking about YouTube? Are we talking about how, how would you gate that content? Just real quick. I definitely put everything on YouTube for the sake of putting it on there. Okay. Um, depending on, you know, age groups, it's, you know, if we're talking about kids 15 and under, they're on TikTok. Okay. Um, if they're, you know, 18, 15 yeah. to 25, they're on Snap. They're on, uh, some of them are starting to get on. I'm seeing everybody on TikTok now. Yeah. What platforms are you on? You're on Snap, you're on Instagram are the main ones. And you're 20, you're 19 now. You just turned 19. The, you know, it's all about age group as far as where you want to be. Okay. Uh, And I don't know exactly, I think, what can you only have 60 second video clips on TikTok? before it cuts you off so some of the some of the platforms won't allow you to do it youtube you can be there uh you can build on-site native uploads where you put videos on your own website instructional uh you can get the the zoom conferences or mm-hmm. softwares like zoom microsoft has one go to meetings those are probably going to be the best and most interactive where you can communicate with one student one-on-one sessions or on multiple sessions or if you develop it uh which i'd highly recommend once you kind of get the swing of it and have the curriculum down pat is to develop a system that you develop it once you put it online and you're done with it now that's a a a business asset for you that you can go sell and resell as many times as you want the audience your consumer can download that training that curriculum right and implement it um who are we using? Kajabi. Kajabi.com is a, a, a good system to sell okay. online educations. Uh, there's a few others out there that I can't think of offhand, but Kajabi.com is who we're using to sell the J. Weiss University nice. to where you upload all the videos there. You can charge per video, per curriculum, however you want. Kajabi.com is a great resource to sell that. However, uh, I would also put it on any marketing platform that you can that where your audience is going to be which is tiktok youtube facebook instagram okay. snap etc perfect that's good was man. that a 30 second answer that was a 30 second answer that six was a minute answer let's continue it though so um that was kind of operations wise marketing wise now something that i would do when i worked at the karate school is i would go to local schools do performances uh, go around to local businesses, leave our business card, also leave these uh, little drop boxes where you could fill your information, slide the card in. We'd come by every two weeks, pick it up, call these people, these leads, then would turn into new students. But again, schools are closed, businesses are closed. Um, what can they do for marketing right now? And then same thing, you talked about a pivot, because I know you're, you're gonna have a pivot in here, so uh, talk to us about what the evolution maybe should be from, from doing stuff like this, so you're not caught off guard 
during pandemics or business closures or things like yeah, that? Yeah, you know, the methods that you mentioned still work. Yeah. You know, or, or up until this, they work. Yeah. Um, they're viable. They, they brought in an income. It's something. And going back, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, people have been doing it forever. However, uh, over the last several years, that has started to be an outdated method. So people that were still utilizing those to generate business, nothing wrong with it if it's bringing you business. Any more revenue streams that you can create, more power to you. Um, I would have recommended two years ago that if you're going to invest time, money, and effort into something, start investing into digital marketing, social media marketing, uh, get away from the typical print. Um, and it depends how much budget you have. Everything that we do when it comes to marketing is reverse engineering budgets. If you have enough budget to do everything, as long as it's giving you ROI continue or branding, continue to invest into it if you see the value. If you have a limited budget, if I only got a thousand bucks to spend per month, I'm going to put it where I can reach the largest audience and get the highest ROI possible, ROI or ROAS, uh, as, and that's return on ad spend as possible. So I would think that, you know, especially right now, there's more people on social media and, and I'll say Facebook than ever before in the history of Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't fact checked that. Uh, but I would assume so from what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. And when I think about age groups, you know, karate classes, parents, 25 to 60 plus, they're all on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're on starting to get on some of the other platforms. Uh, but Facebook is going to be the main area. And that's who you want to target, the parents. The parents are going to make the buying decisions. So when you develop and design any ads, cater to the parents, cater to the parents' emotions and show the value that you bring for the child, okay. but also show a value that you bring for the parent. And if you can put those two things together with a strong marketing campaign or an ad that caters to those emotions, the parent is most likely to buy from you. Um, with, with the school boxes gone, uh, with leaving you know your business card or little business card drops at different places, that's gone. Obviously, it's not gonna bring you any business. You should have already have been pivoting or changing your marketing strategies years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, now that that is not only outdated, but now it's just cut off, it's not gonna bring you any business, there's never been a better time for you to start marketing and advertising your business on social media. And it also depends on the type of business that you are. Um, Karate, for example, uh, and I, I know you're Taekwondo. I keep saying karate. It's easy it's for good. me. It's all good. Karate. Nobody is going on Google right now searching karate classes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's true. So w that would have worked three months ago if little Johnny's looking to get into a karate class. They're going to go on Google, type in karate classes near me or karate classes Sugarland or Houston, and you want to show up using Google ads or pay-per-click. That is not there anymore. Uh, and, of course, nobody's on social media, uh, Facebook or anything, looking mm -hmm. for karate classes. So what you have to do is get strategic in your marketing campaigns. Go put things in front of you. You can target your audience. Go put ads in front of parents from the ages of, you know, pick your age group, 25 to 40 years old, so that they're young parents, meaning they probably have young kids that are going to cater to your demographic. And there's other little strategies that you can do to zero in on your audience. Um, but that's what I would do. I would be advertising on Facebook right now to the parents uh, and playing to their emotions where you offer the child value 
offer them something to do right bring the parent value which the first one that comes to mind is occupying these kids for hours at a time which the parents will probably love and be willing to pay any amount the other thing that's actually a benefit to this situation is if you're a karate studio you're not just catering to a two or five mile radius around your business you can actually cater to an audience that is nationwide very true so you just increased your audience your potential client to a nationwide audience with hundreds or millions of kids instead of a couple hundred thousand within a certain radius Jonathan Wiseman telling martial arts schools how to kick ass right there. Oh, that was shit. perfect, man. <laughs> that I don't was know great. Shit That's about great. martial arts. That, that was great. Uh, I'm I making believe, it up as I go, bro. If, if my wife is listening, I called it martial science the other day, and she actually made fun of me. She was like, I've never heard you say that. But That's cool. My like, wife always makes fun of me. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome, man. That was perfect. Uh, I think some big key takeaways there are, you know, look at the benefit naturally for both the student and the parents. Uh, huge benefit and then also to pivoting your business I think that's important not just for martial arts schools but for a lot of people I think this what you just talked about is there there's some huge takeaways from well it, thank so. you brother yeah uh, that's the purpose of this and I hope that and that idea can be applied to several different uh, subscription base services dance studios yeah gymnastics swimming lessons you know anything that's going on it's the same idea ideology can be applied to any of that yeah and i think expanding the radius is is huge too because i mean if you look at developing these courses you know an online course structure um hitting people outside that radius now you've you've generated some some new business new opportunities and setting yourself up for success so it's not easy setting i've I've been building our course how long we've been doing it hector about nine months now it's difficult uh and, and it takes a lot of dedication um but there's you know People pay for knowledge, whether they're coming to your studio to gain that knowledge or they're buying your knowledge online. And there's a lot of entrepreneur, you know, fraud ass people out there. (laughs) Uh, But now and and I think a lot of those people are actually starting to sweat a little bit because the real industry professionals that are going to be starting to develop some courses because their backs against the wall and they don't have other options. Uh, True Colors is going to start coming out, but definitely, you know, sell knowledge and figure out how you can package that knowledge creatively to cater to your audience, which is the kid, and cater to the parent. You should be able to do pretty well. Perfect. And uh, close this question out. If someone was interested in doing this, uh, what would they need to do to get started? Would be a consultation with you? How would that kind of conversation go, or what would you recommend to get started? Always recommend a consultation <laughs> with me, brother. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. No, I'm fine. Um, it, it's going to require video production. Okay. Obviously, it's going to require webcams, which are difficult to buy right now. So Absolutely. start ordering those on Amazon. I actually sent Michael, Michael Walsh, if you're on watching, I sent him an email uh, or text the other day uh, when all this shit started going down. I was like, dude, you could go online and buy a ton of online cameras and turn it into a business model. But I didn't want to put anybody in a bad situation, so I didn't act on it, uh, but it was a good idea. So uh, even Laura, getting her a webcam, it took about a month to get here. Webcams are great. They're going to work. Uh, many laptops already have them. Um, you know, get the softwares, get the Zooms. You can start simple. You don't need a big budget to start this. Okay. I mean, a $100 webcam setting up with Zoom, which I think is $10 a year or $10 a month, depending on what plan you're on. 
and you can get started immediately. Use that in your social media channels to market it to where you don't have to go spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on a website. You don't have to go to Kajabi and pay the $200 a month for this course. There's ways to start this on a shoestring budget, small scale, and, and test the audience. Make sure you start getting an income before you go spend the big bucks and doing it right. Love it. Love it, man. All right, let's let's move on real quick. So, we got uh we got a question in about a car wash here, right? And I'm I'm uh you know my wife and I we we use this car wash, uh we don't use this one. Well, maybe I revealed my hand right there, but anyway. So there's a car wash, and uh, they're looking to expand their hours. Uh, currently, they stay open to right now until about six or six thirty, but uh, they said they're looking to expand their hours past that, but. They kind of consider it a gamble right now. And they, why they consider it a gamble is saying, look, I'm gonna have to have the same number of people out washing cars. I'm gonna have to have the staff inside doing the management, the supplies. I don't know if it's gonna work. Do I try it for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Um, and I have no data or metrics to say it's gonna work or not. So talk to us, man. What, what, what can we, how can you help them? I think some of it, <laughs> some business models like that are just going to be common sense okay you're a car wash <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's common sense bro right people work all fucking day and and i know i need to chill on the cussing sorry guys i'm working on it <laughs> the people work all day typically you get off at five most people you get off at five you sit in traffic for an hour you're done you right. know you get home or to your area about six um, you know, I don't know how many people are rushing home, sitting through an hour of traffic just to drive into a car wash. So I think common sense would tell you stay open till eight o'clock. Okay. Um, and test it, test the market. So if you're used to closing, what'd you say? Six. If you're used to closing at six, I think that common sense to just tell any car wash, look, stay open till at least eight or 9 PM. I even, uh, I know car washes by me typically close at dark. Okay. And, and I know I'm sure there's hurdles when it's dark outside, but buy the extra lights in your parking lot. So you can stay open for an extra hour so that you can get more cars and you'll be the only car wash that's open till right there. 10 PM versus everybody else that closes when it gets dark. I mean, it's common sense. You'll get all the freaking business. So, uh, but to gauge it or test it, let's just say for easy numbers, five o'clock is typically when you close. Stay open till nine o'clock. Do this for 90 days, do it for six months and A-B test each hour or look at the data from each hour. From five to six, you do this much in sales. From six to seven, this much, seven to eight and eight to nine and so on. Figure out what your operation costs are. How much does it cost you to stay open as a business per hour? Right. Break those numbers down. Your overhead, your staff, every aspect that goes into your business model, you should know how much it costs you to operate hourly. So then break it down. Let's just say for easy numbers, it costs you $100 an hour to operate. Well, how much are you making during those hours from five to six or from eight to nine? How much income have you had on average over the last six months? Do the math. If you're bringing in five grand from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m., it only costs you 100, 200 bucks to operate. It's math. It's simple economics. It's a no-brainer. Stay open. So I think that you can apply common sense to questions like this to answer the, you know any business questions you have. Try it. Test it. But analyze the data. 
you know, be smart or strategic about the data that you're analyzing, break it down the right way and really know, I mean, break it down into 15 minute increments. Is it better to shut down at 815 or 845? That extra 30 minutes might cost you an extra couple grand a month in overhead that you don't want to spend. So make it, you close at eight o'clock, everybody out of there by 815. That's your numbers. That's your data. Use common sense. Love it. Okay, hey, um, we got some questions coming in. Cool. Let's hit them real quick. Uh, Jose Ramirez uh, uh, had a question over what's here. What's up, Jose? And uh, up, he said, as a small CBD products manufacturer, how can I compete with the big CBD manufacturers? Good question. It is a good question. And what sucks about CBD is your back's against the wall. Your hands are tied. Really? There's, I mean, they basically consider it marijuana. And I know that there's 0% THC versus 0.03 or 0.3, whatever it is. It's it's difficult right now uh i mean you're basically same thing i had in the gun business same thing you have in the marijuana business cbd there are certain industries where your back's against the wall you're censored you can't advertise on social media you can't advertise on pay-per-click you can't advertise on youtube uh amazon sometimes i haven't looked at this in about six months so uh, this data or, or information, Jose, is probably six to nine months old since I last worked with the CBD company. Um, you know, you can't advertise on any platform. And some of those platforms won't even let you put your CBD products on. Typically, any business model outside of these restricted industries, I would say, you know, if you're a pin company and you're going against BIC, you can do pay-per-click immediately to compete with the big boys. Right. You pay to play and you pay per click. Um, As far as CBD goes, there are creative gray areas, I believe, if you advertise as you're a hemp product. Um, You you know, you can say you're hemp. Uh, You can cater to the issues uh, or the wellness or the health issues that people have instead of advertising that you're a CBD. But I believe you have to develop the whole website uh, the whole landing page, all your marketing materials around that issue. Okay. You can't say CBD. So you can't uh, go online on, on Google and do pay-per-click and say, hey, we're, you know, hemp cigarettes. And then they click on the link, go to your website, and it says CBD cigarette. Right. Or weed yeah. joints, whatever whatever they <laughs> call them, pre-rolls uh, or tinctures, whatever the case is. You can't do that. They'll catch you. They'll shut you down. And then they'll blacklist you. So, I mean, CBD, dude, is a, is a tough industry. The, what I did for a previous client and I think what is the smartest way to get around it, because at some point it's going to be accepted, they're going to allow it. So it's just a matter of if you can withstand for now until that time happens. In the meantime, invest in search engine optimization. SEO is organic. It's the easiest way to get to the top. It's a way that it doesn't matter what the restrictions are, what the censorship is. Search engine optimization is the way to get to the top. Uh, The second thing that I would mention that you need to start creating if you do sales online or even if you just do them locally in a shop is start developing affiliate programs and influencer programs. Absolutely, yes. So, and I, it's really the same thing, but I break it down to where affiliates are websites that push your product and sell your product, 
which is going to be risky for them because they don't want to get shut down just like you don't want to get shut down. Um, so I think the wiser route that's going to provide better ROI without the liability is going after influencers where you find people online, um, go on Instagram, do a search for the hashtag CBD Houston or whatever city you're in, see what people are hashtagging that, contact them directly saying, hey, would you like to be an influencer for my company, for my brand? I'll go ahead and send you some free product. All we ask you to do is take pictures, post it, leave my website or leave my store name there and in and, and the comments. And I'll continue to send you tinctures or free rolls as long as you keep pushing it. In addition, I'm gonna give you a promotional code so that anybody that buys my product through your post, you're going to get a 5, 10, 15% commission. And so it comes down to a influencer marketing program. It is very intensive. We do it right now for our e-commerce companies. It is a full-time job where you could easily pay somebody, you know, 25 to 50 grand a year to just manage this for you, depending if they manage it part-time or full-time, or you can take it on yourself to save that overhead. I think search engine optimization is one way which is a long-term investment might take you six to 12 months to get to the top as to where an influencer program you can start getting on instagram today and have 10 influencers by the end of the day have them pushing your product with promo codes and have sales by 6 p.m tonight by launching that program uh, a software that we use through our e-commerce platforms is called reversions reversion and that's what a f r e f reversion uh, so go check out reversion.com see the way that works there's i'm sure plenty others out there but launching an influencer uh, program would be my number one go-to that will give you immediate roi love it jose thanks for chiming in brother thanks so much thanks jose it's homie. a great question uh we had another one from jared okay jared asked uh the state of deciding whether or not to allow attorneys to operate under a trade name versus their actual name What's yeah. the cost-benefit analysis of using a trade name over your actual one? Good question, Jared. It's, I've recently heard about this, and I, I don't want to get too legal with it. Again, uh, live uh, disclaimer, <laughs> liability clause. Put a little disclaimer. Uh, yeah, when you put, yeah, we'll put a disclaimer <laughs> it needs on to blank shit. immediately. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> That's what I call Colleen for. Um, so trade name versus using your own name. And I think that's when, when we market for some of our lawyers, I think it, it, it's currently a law and I might be a little bit inaccurate. So, um, but lawyers have to use their name in their law firm or in their corporation papers from my understanding uh, and from uh, understanding the question, that's what I'm taking from it. Uh, and I've actually talked to somebody about this quite recently to where you know, if you're, uh, let's plug uh, Hottie Law Firm. He's the Texas Torch. Texas Torch. So nice. I, I think it's a, uh, or Jim Adler, the hammer, whatever the fuck he is. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's, I believe that you have to, as a lawyer, you have to have your name, uh, your last name or the different names of your firm in your business entity. Uh, when you're marketing your company as far as what your LLC or whatever your uh, business entity is, you have to use your name. Mm -hmm. So if they're changing that law to where you can go after a trade name, to where you can be DWI lawyer, and that can be the name, uh, to where it's not a self-brand. Uh, when you're a lawyer and you also see it with realtors, a lot of them are self-brands. They're promoting their name. Mm -hmm. Everything is about their name. 
and that can be a benefit or it can be a con i mean it can hurt you just as much um hottie law firm uh he's the texas torch if he has to put hottie law firm in everything that he does and then his slogan is the texas torch behind it um you know if he's just the texas torch and he does personal injury or dwi or whatever he does i'm not even sure what he does he can promote that the texas torch who is that you don't really know you're promoting a brand Mm -hmm. and as long as it is the type of practice that you need you're going to see that brand market and advertise you might call them um i could see it playing into ethnicity you know hottie is a uh ethnical name if you're jim adler it's a white dude you know maybe there's somebody that doesn't want to work with jim adler the white guy or they don't want to work with hottie some ethnic dude that they're not sure of they're you know whatever the case might be i could see where that could hinder certain people wanting to use them so i see that that's where the benefit could be that you just want to be the texas torch a dwi attorney um that way it, it eliminates one avenue of people you might turn off as far as your audience goes the more audience that you can bring in the better so you know a a name jonathan wiseman if i was an attorney nobody knows who the fuck jonathan wiseman is why am i going to call this dude jonathan wiseman or what if i'm a female and i'm about to go through a divorce i don't want to hire a dude or vice versa you know whoever laura wiseman somebody might you know think they might not want to hire women so they don't hire her by name right or if it's a name you know everybody knows the name jim adler in houston anyway absolutely so it and that could have a positive connotation it could have a negative one i think that when you can get away from marketing yourself as a self-brand when you're a self-brand it's your reputation it's your credibility it's everything about you it's your portfolio it's what you've done it's the trust and loyalty it's your reviews it is everything is all about you personally. It's a personal brand. I mean, that's what Jay Mar- Weiss marketing is. I'm a personal brand. I stand behind my shit. If I mess up personally or I mess up in business, whatever the case might be, my business is done. Affect you. I'm out of business. It's going to affect all of us. So if you have the opportunity uh, and what has been a market that only allowed you to do personal brands and now you can venture outside of that um, by going after a keyword phrase or term, which you could still do before, you just now you don't have to put your name in it. I would I would welcome it with open arms and take advantage of that opportunity. Nice, I know. And when it yeah, and when it comes to personal brands, I mean we've seen that so many time and time again that people have had their their own brand just destroyed due to personal actions. So I mean I definitely could see the benefit of, you know using a trade name. And you see a lot you see a lot of that creativity. I forget which bars I used to go into, but um, he didn't even really advertise his name. I think it was just www.dontblow.com and he was a DWI attorney. And I was like, where's this guy's name? But it was just all about all his marketing and then that that website. Mm-hmm. So it was very, really interesting. And when you bring up that that mention of the personal brand, I guess that's when you visited the site, you would understand who the lawyer was and, and go from that. But Yeah, and even then they could still advertise that without advertising their name i don't know if that's legally or not probably but not so i know in the bathroom i know <laughs> i had seen that in the past so i guess yeah. now you know it's people still you know the texas hammer or the texas torch or whatever people are doing as long as they're trademarking those slogans mm. they can use it in marketing then or now 
But if you have the opportunity to go from, you know, Johnny Wiseman Law Firm to DWI Law Firms and market yourself as that, I, to simplify and dummy it down, it broadens your audience. Mm-hmm. It gives you the opportunity to cater to more people that aren't going to judge you for your name, your reputation, your loyalty, your ethnicity, if you know your gender. It takes all that shit off the plate. So people are only going to know you by DWI attorney. So it gives you more opportunity to get business. Yeah, I like it, man. Okay, so a couple of questions. Had some comments in there. Richard just said uh, he agreed with what you're talking about. So Richard Lai, are you familiar with that person? What's up, Richard? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we got got some good stuff. Uh, Let's let's do another question that came in uh, a little earlier. Uh, which one do I want to hit? I'm gonna hit you with the good one. Here, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with the. All right, yeah. Let's, let's, talk, one, let's, yeah. let's 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 talk about one. Um, let's talk about someone that has a fitness app, right? Okay. Okay. They got a fitness app. A fitness and, uh, app. Fitness app, okay. and uh, they got two workout programs and uh, a recipe book. And their workout programs are roughly priced around you know forty bucks. And uh, recipe books about ten dollars. Uh, they got a downloadable app, like I said. Um, there, there is the ability to go online and purchase the the programs online, as well as the recipe book online. Um, downloads in total, iOS and uh, you know Google Play Store is about a hundred downloads. So, really, question to you is, what do we got to do to start generating those downloads? He's working the math over here. You guys should see the paper. No, we need, just, another, we need another camera I'm down at the, the paper notes, right man. there. My ADD, I'll start <laughs> talking about something I'm doing this weekend and forget what we're talking about. <laughs> I got to keep my shit in check. Um, fitness app. You know, apps are difficult and it's extremely saturated and especially in the fitness world. Right. It, it's it's tough. Uh, I know uh, C3, one of my boys was uh, starting to do this with his chick. And um, I don't know their success level, uh, but I've visited a couple times with him and a few other people. Um, it's difficult. Right. And if you're only on an app platform, are they, on, are they selling it as a curriculum on a website? Yes. Okay. And so what's the question? How to get more downloads? How to get more downloads how to sell more yeah get they want yeah get some more money sell more so it's 40 bucks on the um download from itunes or wherever they're at are they on itunes yeah all right first thing i would do is i would change it from a 40 dollar download to a subscription make it one dollar a month subscription instead of a 40 dollar download i think that you know everybody can most people can afford a dollar a month and okay. when you know forty dollars is a big commitment, I think anything above eight ninety five is a big financial commitment okay. on a regular basis. Or you know, if you get into a one time commitment, when you start getting above nineteen dollars, twenty dollars, um, you can start to notice that amount. <clears throat> so first thing I would do is go from a forty dollar one time download, uh, which is basically what three and a half years, uh, and you could do where you change it to a, a dollar or dollar ninety five a month fee. Not bad. Okay. Uh, now your retention rate might be six months, twelve months, eighteen months, but most people aren't going to notice a dollar coming out of their account every month. 
I know iTunes, uh, you know, between myself and the music and the family and the kids, and Laura has most of the stuff on her account now. Um, <clears throat> but I remember back in the day, I was paying, spending 100 to $200 a month on iTunes, <clears throat> excuse me, on different downloads that everybody had on their phones. So if an extra dollar slid in there, I'm never going to notice it. Okay. And, and I think most people, whether however much they're spending on their iTunes stuff, most people aren't going to notice a dollar. So I would expect your retention rate to be, you know, 12 to 24 months on that. However, because you're selling it at a dollar, instead of 40 bucks, you just broadened your, well, the audience is going to stay the same, but the more people that are more willing to buy it and purchase it and get onto that monthly subscription, as long as you've got good content on there, they're going to continue to pay for it. And you can continue to keep them engaged and to retain them, client retention, continue to offer new workouts or new plans or new whatever on a monthly basis so that you keep it current fresh and you're not just selling one thing and it disappears okay so number one change it from a one-time download fee to a monthly subscription and i think that you'll see that you start retaining clients and offering something to keep them engaged you're going to make more money in the long run very nice very nice um what about it something like an influencer program got a brand got an app people doing the workout, someone likes the workout, they're getting great results, contact them saying, hey, I want you to talk about my app, maybe promote my app. What are your thoughts on that? For a fitness app, I would would say that's synonymous with the self-brand. You're you're selling your knowledge, you're selling yourself. So if I'm a, a, a fitness guru and I'm selling my stuff, if I go find influencers, other fitness people to sell my stuff, if they really get to a committed level where they're really pushing it, at some point, I need them to be fitness enough so that it represents <laughs> my brand right. Right. <clears throat> they need to know what they're talking about. Absolutely. If they're that deep into the industry and, and in it, they're going to figure out what I'm doing and they're going to mimic what I'm doing. Right. Therefore whatever influencership they've built, whether that's two months or two years, at some point they're going to utilize that data and turn it to be profitable for themselves where they could steal that influencership. So, and I don't see many people, you know, we're both digital marketers. Yeah. I'm not going to go promote you as a digital mar- I mean, I will <laughs> for, for what you I'll do. Say, come on, but, man. Well, yeah. you're, you're, you're badass <laughs> at what you do. So, and, and it's not exactly conflict of interest, but it would seem that an influencer thing would be a hard a hard deal to build uh, for any longevity. You yeah. might get little people on for short term. I don't know. I've never done it myself, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go the route of influencing. Okay. Okay. As far as my first marketing strategy, um, you said that they have some type of uh, diet guide or recipe recipe book. Uh, <clears throat> recipe book. Yeah, you can purchase it. Ten dollars. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I believe desserts as well. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and desserts for what the whole week? Probably. I so. All right. Yeah. So, what I would do as an example of a campaign for this person is I would take the desserts off okay. of that ten dollar book, and I would create a new book, call it an ebook that is, you know, desserts. Call it keto diet, keto diet desserts ebook, and you have ten different, dozen different desserts in there that are all for keto diets. And you offer it for free. It's a downloadable thing for free. Okay. You go advertise it 
in front of your demographic on Instagram. Uh, you pick, you know, male or female or whichever you're going after. Let's just say females from the ages of, you know, who can afford my course and who's willing to pay, you know, a dollar a month for this app. Am I going to go after, you know, young kids? Am I going to have to go after middle age? Am I going to go after mom? Figure out what your demographic is and go after it. Put an ad in front of them that says, uh, or go stick it in front of everybody that's not, that's that likes keto. Develop an ad. It's keto desserts, downloadable, absolutely free. Okay. So people download it. When they download it, you capture their phone number, their name, and their email address. Now they go into a database where you're going to launch a automated newsletter series where you're going to have 20 to 50 pre-scripted emails that are all related to keto diet. And it's just good quality content and information. And so once they download your ebook, you're going to start sending them a newsletter uh, every two days or every five days, whatever repetition you think right. you'll keep people engaged without deleting you from their uh, or unsubscribing. And you just send them good quality content. Now, this content has to be legit. You can't send bullshit. You can't send things that people don't care about. You have to send the best of the best, which is typically knowledge in most cases. Right. And so... If you don't have enough data to create 20 and you can only create 10, well, then 10 over the next year is one a month or a little less than one a month um, or a little more than one a month. So I would do that. I would give away something for free to where I capture them as a lead, capture them as a pixel, capture their content so I can then remarket to them. Once you have that email address, you can remarket to them on social media. You can send them direct email campaigns through a MailChimp or any newsletter automation. You can also set up a text messaging service where you send them content through their cell phones. So you have now you have three different ways to contact people. The other thing is you can market this nationwide. It doesn't, it's not like you're a local trainer, a local gym, right? You can market this across the whole nation. So give something away for free. That is good quality content that caters to the audience that you're targeting. Once you capture their data, you then retarget to them and remarket to them. Perfect. Big takeaways. And of here. course, yeah, yeah. hope that that turns into yeah. a, oh, a, a, a acquisition yeah. or a conversion right, right. at some point. So that's a big takeaway there. Uh, Move into a subscription model. I like that. I like that. And I definitely see how the benefit Sub of that could be. Subscript my e-commerce company. I started the subscription. Subscriptions ended up making for between 27 and 29% of our income. Okay. And it took about two years to get there. But once you get there, uh, easy numbers, you're doing 100 grand a month, close to $30,000 a month makes up for subscriptions. <laughs> And you don't have to do any work. Uh, you want to do a little bit of client retention when you see subscriptions drop off. Sure. You can retarget to them with a lower price or something like that to bring them back on or send them a bottle for free. There's several different tactics that you can do in e-commerce for client retention related to subscriptions. But it's a slow grow. But as you build it, as long as you're providing value, whether that's a service or a product or knowledge, whatever it is, as long as you keep providing that, people will keep paying for it. And so to get them tied into uh, subscriptions, man, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing revenue stream to add to your portfolio for sure. Perfect. All right. Good question. And and uh, I'll give you an example as well. I had a real good friend of mine that was um, selling uh, water, uh, home water. I don't even know what the fuck they're called. Water softeners. Whole home <laughs> system. I wondering where that was going. <laughs> selling water. Just generally selling water to people. <laughs> 
oh shit that's what goes on when we're live huh <laughs> whole home systems water systems and you know it was like two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars whatever the price point was to set this up and this was several years ago uh and i was telling them i was like look it, it's a great business to get into if you see the market and the the market research tells you that it's a viable business model you can make money and have great revenue streams but what i suggested is figure out how you can turn it into a residual income on a monthly basis okay how can you take what is typically a one and done business model and turn it into a residual income where they have to buy something from you on a monthly basis a subscription model so you know i've never heard of any company we have water softeners have for years there's not a company that delivers my salt. I got to go to the Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, go buy the 40, 50 freaking pound bags of salt, throw them in my car, get my car all freaking dirty, go home. You know, half the time I got a bad back. It bothers the shit out of me. Or I tell the kids to come grab them and go fill it up. <laughs> it's for certain people, I would rather pay 50 bucks a month for somebody to go do all that shit for me. I got to spend 40 bucks to wash my trunk of my car anyways right to clean up after it i mean i'm willing to pay for that type of service and i think you know certain demographics or certain people are willing to pay depending on what your product and service is so always figure out in any business model whatever it is if you're typically a one and done business model figure out how you can turn it into a subscription business model and get that residual income i don't care if you're selling t-shirts you know figure out how you offer some type of warranty for five dollars a month or whatever the case might be so residual business models subscriptions definitely try to implement them in any business that you do it's mentioned it's interesting you mentioned t-shirts because i think it was bustedtees.com had like those 80s tees retro tees and for a while they had these uh you know just t-shirts they were selling but then what really kind of kicked them up was this eight dollar a month subscription you know t-shirt and they would send you like two or three t-shirts uh, and at a lower cost, and uh, I I jumped on that train for a little bit, but you started yeah. getting your box. I started, every month. Oh man, it was, it was nice. <laughs> Got your t-shirt box. T-shirt box, but well, and if it's cheap enough, you forget about it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I got I got a hard, I got a I got a tough question for you right here. All right, I got a tough one. Uh, someone owns an insurance agency, and they've expanded their team to about fifteen over the past two years, right? Okay. Uh, so they got 15 people. Um, however, the profits, the, the business is, uh, it's not doing too well. They're starting to see a decline and uh, they're concerned that if the business doesn't improve, they might have to let people go or something of the sort. <clears throat> what do you do? Do you cut them? Do you cut back hours? Like what? what's going on? Cut them. Cut them. Cut them. Just like that, huh? Cut them. Cut them. Okay. Talk to I, us I'm, about, talk to us about the logic behind the cutting them. Uh, there's uh, several things to take into consideration before sure you know that that's the short that's the short answer um and i'm a big believer in keeping you know that's why we're still here working when many people are at home is i'm a big believer and my staff always comes first i always compensate my staff before compensating myself it's i cannot be who i am or run this operation without my staff so they are you know they're the engine that drives this business i just kind of micromanage all of them and point fingers into different directions so i'm the first one to advocate for staff to stay on but if you've grown recently from you know two or five people to 15 agents and that's what's sucking up all of your overhead and they're on payroll 
then you have to cut back on your overhead so that the company can sustain. It's better to keep five people employed than it is to try to keep 15 people employed and go out of business. So a lot of it comes down to you know, evaluating your P&Ls. You have to look at the numbers. What are the employees costing you? Are they commission-based? Are they on salary? If they're all commission-based, keep them around because obviously it doesn't cost you anything right. if they're not selling. Uh, but if they're employees who are on payroll, they're getting benefits, it is coming out of your overhead to keep these people employed, not to mention you might have to pay for two extra office spaces or extra parking uh, spaces in the parking lot or parking garage, whatever the case might be. There's always... Uh, associated costs with every single person you have even when they are fully commission based mm-hmm. there are still overhead costs associated with every person so you can break it down to all your numbers as a whole to figure out what your cost per person is cost per employee as far as overhead goes um, or you can break it down and look at the employees individually and just be like okay this is what I'm paying you every month how much are you bringing into the business if it doesn't make financial sense where you are profiting on that employee then it doesn't make sense to keep them on the team. Um, Sometimes, as I do a lot, I come out of pocket for growth. It's growing pains to where I bring on employees that I don't necessarily need yet because I'm growing and I know that I am going to need them. So it gives me the opportunity to get them in, train them. Uh, Once I have them in in a specific position, then I'm going to go make sure I close three accounts. So not only is it growing, it is also going to make me, you know, bust my ass because now I've got more liabilities that I've got to cover. So it's an incentive or motivation for me to work twice as hard. Uh, But when you're talking about growing that much and that many people, actually, I have a a really good friend who's in the insurance agency and uh, several years ago you know he grew blew the fuck up into a big insurance agency i think he said he had 15 to 20 different reps and by his growth rate and the way that he was growing he wasn't doing anything wrong everything was great but i think that the staff was eating into all those profits yeah and so at a certain point he wanted to quit that bleeding and he cut them all off and dropped it back down i think to a two or three person team and the overhead, the income was all, I'm sorry, not the overhead. The income was still there, but he lost, you know, 80% of overhead. So now, I mean, he went from a company, and, and I don't know his exact case, and I'm not saying any names, and I don't want to speak for him, but it, from our discussions, he went from a position where he's covering his overhead to immediately profiting insane amounts, mm-hmm. which then allowed him to kind of take a step back and grow smart, as well as realize that he didn't need that many people to grow that big because he ended up growing 10 times bigger than he was on a, on having and I think he has three or four staff members total in his whole office. So uh, growing, expanding, scaling doesn't always mean bringing on more people. And if you're in a position right now and these people are, are eating into all your profits and, and stealing all your overhead from things that are going to make you money, go get the scissors, Ty. I'll get this. <laughs> so, good takeaways there. Um, let's talk about something that's happening right now, though. Okay. Cuts in pay. Cuts in pay. Cuts in pay. Do you look at, say, okay, <clears throat> have a conversation, all right, team of 15, everybody in the boardroom in 15 minutes, you all get in there, look, times are tough, uh, the options right now, cutting everybody's pay by 15%. Is that a, is that a solution to look at? Everything's a, something to look at. What I personally would do is pick my top performers, you know, the ones that are producing my top producers. Right. 
top three, four, five, whichever ones are providing me good ROI, keep them on, cut the rest. Um, now you're talking about right now and, and cuts uh, a lot of people. This is about to be nationwide if it hasn't already started with the whole COVID-19. Um, you know, Sally that used to be head of HR for this big corporate company was making 200 grand a year, just recently got furloughed. And when she comes back on in three or four months, when things get going, it's not likely they're going to have the same payroll for her. It's not likely that they're still, they're going to say, sorry, you know, we'd love to bring you back on. We want to get you right back into the swing of things. However, we can only afford a hundred thousand instead of 200,000 because of everything that's gone on. Uh, oh, and uh, the benefits aren't going to be as much and we're not going to do stock options or equity anymore. So uh, these are the new terms. Would you like to come back on? Sally's not going to have an option. She's going to, you know, she can't go to a competing company. Let's just say it's oil and gas. Mm -hmm. She can't go to a competing oil and gas company because that oil and gas company had a head of HR. Right. And they're going to be loyal most likely to their people before they are to somebody new. Or if they are going to pick somebody new, they're going to try to get you as cheap as absolutely possible because they know that you're in a situation. And I'm not saying everybody's going to take advantage of the situation or prey on the weak, mm -hmm. uh, but it does happen in business. And it's not necessarily about praying. It's about making smart business decisions. Oh, sure. If you can bring somebody on and, and cut your overhead by 50% by going route A instead of route B, it's really just a way of A-B testing and being a smart entrepreneur. So um, I don't even remember what the question was. But as far as going to part-time uh, or cutting hours or cutting pay, yes, of course, check out all options as a business. Um, and, and it's also how loyal you are to your team and your staff. I mean, Hector, my staff, you over there playing on your phone while we're live? I should cut his pay. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's checking the live stream, make sure it's working. That's funny. You know, Kareem, T.Y., Andres, him, everybody, I didn't cut any pay. I want to make sure that they're happy, that their families that I feel like I'm responsible for are doing good. And I'm always, I'll, I'll go to the grave trying to take care of people before I take care of myself. Big corporate companies, they don't give a shit. You're just a number. So, and, and companies like your insurance guy, you know, he's still a small business, but he's going to go out of business if he doesn't pick his top performers and cut the rest. Okay. Sound logical decisions there. Are my answers too long? You can shut no, me up any good, time, man. bro. Keep it going. Keep it going. Uh, okay, we got a couple more. We got a couple more. Uh, by the way, Charles Ryan Stump said, what's up? Me or him? Both of it. We need to get closer to the mic. We get closer to the mic? Yeah, you can yeah. just say that out loud. As long as my voice sounds honey, Hector, that's what I want. So, you know. Uh, but Charles Ryan Stump said, what's up? What's up, Charles? There you go. So, I just want to make sure you saw that. So, uh Someone owns a furniture company and they've been in business for about 10 years, right? Okay. Uh, they want to refresh their brand, but they don't know where to start. Uh, is there a good time to do this? And um, how do they go about it? So they got some loyalty. I guess they got some loyalty. 10 years, would you say, as uh, owning a furniture company? That's not bad. That's right? Did they say the name of their business? Or they is did that? not. They okay. kept it anonymous. Kept anonymous. That's cool. Uh, I think it depends on what is driving the business to that current brand. Okay. Is it location? Is it because they're in a certain area and most of their business comes from a certain mile radius? Uh, is it because they've been doing commercials for the last 10 years mm. and 
everybody hears that brand and their slogan online. And so that's what they know. So I think it depends what their, uh, their stream of traffic is as to how to do that. Now, if they want to keep the same name, the same slogan, the same brand, they just want to rebrand aesthetically, then, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, and all businesses have to realize you have to upgrade or update at some point. Right. If you're using the same logo that you were 20 years ago, your shit's outdated. You know, if you haven't updated your website in three years. You're behind. You're behind. Yeah. Way behind. So, you know, it's everybody has to, not everybody, most people should want to update at some point in their lives. So, you put a smart strategy behind it. It depends what you're changing. Is it logos? Is it images? Is it names? Is it slogans? Is it the face of the product? What is it that you're changing within this business model? Evaluate, you know, what that might affect, how that might hurt business. How can you make up for it? It's, I would have to know the situation to know what they're changing to really try to give a good strategy. But it's really just about evaluating where you're at now, where you want to go, what do you want to change, and how to do it strategically so you take as little of a hit as possible and actually try to turn that into a gain so that you can be proactive in doing something instead of sitting around waiting for all the negative shit to happen. Sounds, sounds, I think you nailed it right there, man. So maybe we'll have to get that person in here. Have them talk, tell, talk to us a little bit more about the situation. For but, sure. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people go through that. Um, Since we are speaking of furniture companies, I'm going to give Sam Zavery a what's up. Fawad and Sam, exclusive furniture. If y'all need some some furniture, go see my boy over at uh, Exclusive. Okay. Where low prices live. That's the. Uh, I like that. That's nice. That's good. That's good. I. Uh, so this one I, I went through. So not only working with P97, I have my own little small uh, you know, media house, I guess you could say, Denmark Media. Uh, named it Denmark after, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Bloodsport. But, uh, old school. Yeah, yeah, definitely old school. John, Jean-Claude Van Damme does a move where he breaks a brick all the way at the bottom of a bricks. It's called the Denmark touch, the death touch. But anyway. Must be huge, that taekwondo background. Uh, the taekwondo background coming in. So <laughs> I went crazy trying to figure out how to design the logo. And I, I mean, it took me forever. It probably took me longer than I think it takes anybody. I settled on something. I loved it. Um, but I, I, I was like, should I, you know what? Halfway through and I was like, should I just go to like 99designs.com to get something? Should I crowdsource? Should I go to Fiverr? I don't know what to do. So we had a question come in and someone said they started a new business, right? They got their name, but they can't decide on a logo. What the hell do they do? Do they call you first off? <laughs> if they call me, I'm going to send them to 99designs.com. Okay. It's where I send all my clients. Okay. Uh, if they don't have at least a $500 budget, then I'll send them to Fiverr. Um, it really just depends on what their budget is, what their business model is, long-term goals. You know, is this something they're doing that are real quick? small you know is it a kids lemonade stand and they're just doing something for fun <laughs> or is this going to be a viable business model mm. um your logo is your storefront it's your brand other than your website uh whether it's on a business card whether it's your icon in your social media channels your logo represents who you are and people can tell if your logo is outdated if it's ghetto if it's um done on a shoestring budget <laughs> or if it's very clever and creative and 
catching and brings you in and plays to your emotions. There's a lot of different things, a logo, an icon, uh, Geico, you know, with their mascot, you can have mascots. So it's, you know, some bullshit $5 logo or that your kid did because they started learning how to use Photoshop versus spending 500 to two grand on a logo. You don't need to spend more than $1,500 on a logo to have one of the dopest freaking logos on the planet. Okay. 99designs.com lets you do that. It's a logo contest platform. Uh, I teach this in my online course. It's part of our uh, brand development strategy. And I show people specifically, go to 99designs and I walk them through the whole process. This is how you get a logo on 99designs. They have three or four different pricing options and they do other things besides logos now. Uh, But logos is what I use them for. So uh, from three, I think two ninety nine is the cheapest one, maybe even one ninety nine, and then it goes up to around fifteen, seventeen hundred dollars. As you go through the checkout process, there's a few things that you can check uh, that cost you an extra fifty here, hundred there. But all in all, uh, and always recommend people pick the second or third package uh, because there's four different. Let's just say there's four packages. I think there's four: two hundred, five hundred, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. Right. They have designers from all over the world. And what you do is say, I'm going to be a water company and I want my name to be Frog. Design me a water bottle with a frog on it. Okay. And so you're going to have 50 different designers submit different logo designs. Wow. And then you get to pick which design you want to be your logo. So when you're on the lower pricing tier, you're getting shittier quality of designers because they're not allowed to graduate to the next price level until they have so many people buy their designs. Interesting. So the more you're willing to pay, the higher level designer you have. But you can still you still get some pretty decent designers on that lowest budget of three hundred bucks. Let's say uh, you can. St- I mean, I've had on the three hundred dollar plan, I've had over seventy five, a hundred designer. We don't have the website up. I'd pull it up right now. Uh, seventy five designers submitting hundreds and hundreds of designs on one logo for 300 bucks so i get to look at hundreds of logos from designers all over the world that are you know specialized in logo development and design and then i can see things and then i can tell them to tweak it because the contest can run anywhere from 24 hours to seven days so you can tell them all right change that blue to a lighter blue or i don't like that hard line on it make it a soft line or make it a little bit rounded on the corners or you can give them instructions and they don't get paid until they win the contest. So anything you ask them to do, they're going to do it. And the more engaged you are with them, the more likely they're going to win that contest and get the money at the end of it. So they're going to do anything that you ask. It's the smartest, most cost-effective way for you to get a logo, 99designs.com. Don't choose any other way. If you can't afford 300 bucks and you're doing something for fun, uh, you know, ask a friend or go to fiverr.com, get something for 10, 20, 30 bucks. But if this is for a real business model, your logo is everything. Invest into your logo like it's one of the most important things in your business model. Good to know. Um, and you mentioned something about JY's university with this. So this would be a sub, this is a subject that you go into in regards to the whole process of utilizing 99designs.com. Yeah. So JY's university, it's an online guide, how to build a business in 30 days. And it's not online yet. It's launching at the end of this year. Um, so we break the course down into four segments. 
um, market research, brand development, administrative setup, and then marketing. So under that brand development area, and we do workshops for all of these, um, the brand development, one of the things is how to, you know, obviously getting a logo, choosing domain names, anything related to your company name, trademarks, all that stuff. So how to get a logo, we take you through the 99design process and show you exactly how to set it up the correct way. Awesome. And it's not difficult to do. Uh, anybody can go in there and do it themselves. But there's a few little tiny tips and tricks in there that can save you or get you better designers that we just know from experience. Okay. Awesome. Excited to see when that launches, man. That's going to be cool. Yeah. The sh- fucking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I was thinking this whole, you know, COVID-19 when, you know, I'm thinking the world stops and uh, I'll have extra time. Yeah. And for about a week I did, you know, a lot of people got scared. They started pumping the brakes as, you know, we all have experienced. Um, but I mean, it hasn't slowed down around here at all. So I had about a good week at getting pretty far along in that course and, um, you know, creating new content and doing a lot of fun stuff that's been on my to-do list. Uh, but it's just been so crazy around here. So I'm having to work overtime and extra hours staying here till 9 p.m. to get shit done. And it's funny you say that because I, I think traditionally you would see, I mean, you you know, it's traditionally the statistics, you know, when businesses do bad, one of the first places they try to cut is marketing. They're like, you know, it, the hell with marketing, let's cut marketing. But you look at businesses like, uh, you know, quick serve restaurants, what are they having to do? They're having to do this, you know, contactless type of experience. Um, they've had to upgrade their marketing, upgrade their strategies. So um, that's awesome. I bet that's why, I mean, it's proof in point, right? You're, you're staying busy, I think a lot. And I hope, I hope we're moving towards that, you know? I was really blessed that a couple of my clients, and I only work with a few clients per year. Uh, it, there's a pro and con to it. You know, you lose mm-hmm. two clients, it can hurt. Um, luckily my clients are essential. Uh, they're big enough business and they're doing big things globally. Um, and we are a key asset to helping them reach those goals. And we are a revenue generator for our clients. So the ones that keep us on, we keep the, the pulse pumping and we keep the money coming in. And when things like this happen, uh, which is unfortunate, where everybody, you know, a lot of it also is not just the business, it's the mindset of the business owner. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get scared and I'm scared, I don't know what's gonna happen next, shut everything down. And that did happen to us as well, that happened with a couple clients. Um, it, it's, you know, I see this as an opportunity. When everybody else is shutting down, I'm going into overdrive, I'm working twice as hard, I'm doing twice as much shit, pumping out twice as much content. You know, it, it's, it's a way for me to skyrocket you know, ahead of my competition that's out there and do shit that nobody else is doing. People want to go home and, and binge watch Netflix, you know, great for you, more power to you, enjoy it. I'm going to be fucking up here grinding my ass off, making sure, one, that I keep my family fed, but keep my clients making money so that they keep me on board right. so I can keep my team fed and keep their families going. So it, it's all, you know, you can you can look at it from many different lenses, uh, but you can't control what people do. Definitely can't. Definitely can't. Uh, so we got one more question. We got one more question. Um, this one is uh, someone owns a law firm, right? Grown their business uh, over the past few years. They're looking to invest in a CRM. 
which one should they be looking at? Um, is there a right one? Is there a wrong one? Um, they did say they have about 200 to 300 rough prospects, business, current business as well as prospects. <clears throat> so we're talking about under 500 basic uh, you know, accounts that would need to be put in this type of CRM. What do you got for us? Shit, which one do we use? <laughs> <laughs> uh, CRMs are great if you use them. Um, sure. If you don't have the infrastructure, the personnel, or the time to use it, you know, if you're a one-man operation and you're just not going to use it, don't waste your money. Uh, if you don't have the people in-house to use it right, don't waste your money. If you are going to actually use it as a tool to not only optimize your business, but to increase your revenue stream or your marketing strategies, definitely it's something that we use daily for ourselves and our clients. Uh, we actually use Active Campaign. Okay. They're activecampaign.com. And honestly, when I started this business about 18 months ago, I researched and tried probably six or seven different CRMs. Definitely see you doing that. Um, you know, from Salesforce to the freebies to all of them. I actually, I used Active Campaign. I uh, can't think of the other one that we went with. I ended up, I, I did the 30-day trials. And what sucks about a 30-day trial is you get in there, you start entering sample clients or your existing clients. You start utilizing it. You start leaving all the, you get, you know, you can get really robust in these things. And it takes a lot of time. And then at the end of the 30-day trial, they kind of got you by the balls yeah. because you've already done all the hard work and it's like, well, damn, do I want to pay 60 or 100 bucks a month for this? Uh, so I tested out a couple of them and Active Campaign is highly caters to automation, newsletter automation. Okay. And I love it. At the beginning, I didn't know how to do newsletter automation that well. I contracted it out to somebody. So I didn't really like the platform because I was like, I don't use automation. I'm never going to use this. And then six months after using somebody else, I actually ended up coming back because we started doing in-house automation. Uh, and when I say uh, earlier, I talked about the newsletter automation and sending out multiple newsletters. It's a way to stay in contact with your clients. Um, through way of email. So it, it really just depends what your purpose is, how much you're gonna use it, what facility you have, but they can be uh, a huge asset to your business model and, and your revenue streams if you use them and implement them on a regular basis. If you're not using it, you're wasting time, you're wasting money, and, and don't use it. Okay. Yeah, CRMs are, are always, for me, always a tricky pickle. I mean, I've always been aligned with you know HubSpot, Yep. CRM's free. Uh, recently, you know, working in my company where we've adopted Salesforce, and then you have the whole thing. If you go from one trying to integrate and say, "All right, I started on HubSpot, then I want to shift it over to Salesforce," that was a four-week project. That was yeah. Crazy. So, and I've never used HubSpot. I have probably done their trial six times over the last ten years. <clears throat> you know, uh, I guess for uh, lack of. HubSpot's scary to me. Uh, and the reason why is I don't quite understand it and all of the different things that it does, how they all integrate. Is it going to do exactly? For me, they never did a great job of 
selling exactly what it is that they do in a dummy down enough way to make me feel comfortable with it. I agree with you on that. <clears throat> so I never used it. Salesforce I used and I loved. Mm-hmm. And it's so freaking robust. I mean, you can get lost in there. Like running a CRM, especially like Salesforce with all the d- different third-party integrations, that could be one employee's full-time job where you pay somebody 80 grand a year oh, yeah. to just sit there and work the CRM and do absolutely nothing else. I mean, it's crazy how robust and, and integrated these can get with your business model to where you can run a whole company off of CRM and never have to do anything else. Uh, but it was expensive. I think it was like minimum three or 500 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And when you're a smaller business, that's just too much of an overhead to pay. So uh, I've used a lot of them over the years. I definitely think if you have the time and dedication to use it, great. It can help you immensely. Um, but if you're lazy or you don't have the personnel or don't want to mess with it, then you don't need to. And sometimes um, if you're in e-commerce, if you're selling products online, lots of times you can use your shopping cart itself because most people don't realize that a shopping cart is not just a payment gateway for people to buy something online and okay. it sends you the shipping. The back side, uh, not the consumer facing side, but the internal administrative side is going to give you a robust system to manage, track, and communicate with your clients. So e-commerce, if you're in e-commerce, see if you can get away with using your shopping cart before paying for a third-party integration. Love it. That's good. I'm glad you like it. Well, man, I (laughs) I hope other people out there like it. It's good. I like, and I didn't even think about that with the e-commerce side, but definitely with uh, with Salesforce. Just to close out on on a final note. What time is it? It's like twelve thirty. We're good. All right, cool. Real cool. But, uh, is anybody yeah. actually logging in watching this? We, got, we have six people online. Or is it just us? What's up, six people? Six people? We, uh, oh, cool. we had, uh, let's see, Carmen Martinez What's say up, language. Carmen? So, uh, I think she did not appreciate. Damn. So, I think Hector, we need disclaimers whenever we go into certain stuff. We need to get, we bleep, need to get him a beep bleep, button. Bleep button. <laughs> just hit that. I need to get myself a bleep button so I can yeah, bleep just, myself just out. Just do that. Yeah, I'm going to be working on that, Carmen. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles Stump just commented again and said good stuff. So uh, I appreciate you, Charles. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had, we had some good things we talked about, some great takeaways. Um, when are we doing this again? Two weeks? Two weeks from now. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, people that commented, if you didn't uh, have an opportunity to share with us, to question, definitely hit us up on what you're... Yeah, Facebook, email, whatever. Okay. Um, anybody that... Ha- I mean, really, I'm doing this for... <laughs> Charles said he prefers the language, so... <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Glad somebody out there... Uh, already, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the purpose of doing this is to really try to, you know, it, it's, Laura and I are real big about giving back, and we've been blessed, I've been blessed, and I know the struggles that I had uh, from an early age, you know, just in life. Everybody's got their story, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but I didn't get here in business by having a handout. Nobody gave me shit. Nobody helped me get here. Nobody really taught me the way I had to figure it out. And it's been a roller coaster ride. And there's been a lot more downs than there have been ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had my ass handed to me. I have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so I've learned from those mistakes. I've learned from the businesses I've ran. If 
I mean, I, you know, everybody's like, oh, if I knew now, you know, knew back then what I did now, I'd be so far ahead. And, and I still feel that way. And so what I want to be able to do is lend my knowledge, uh, my experiences in business to other people that are just getting into business or, you know, they've been doing it for 10 years and they just don't necessarily have somebody to tell them what to do. And yes, we offer consulting services where people can hire us to do certain things or hiring our marketing services. And we're expensive. And I know that. And most consultants are business people. And most of the ones out there really don't fucking know anything. They act like, the, I mean, dude, the amount of entrepreneurs that. that are out there trying to sell shit is, is ridiculous. Um, it's offensive. So I wanted to do this to give people a place where even if they don't want to ask live, send us a DM, remain anonymous. We'll answer any questions that you have related to business, scaling, uh, you know, partnerships, franchising, uh, investments, coming up with the money, how to lower your overhead, P&Ls, marketing, anything that I know related to business. Yes, we own marketing companies, video production companies in this podcast studio. We can answer questions about that all day long, but also just anything related to setting up a business and going through that. Shit, you got questions about life and being a parent. You know, <laughs> I'll take those questions too. I just want to be a place where I can help others accomplish their goals a lot quicker than I did in life. And I think by having somebody that they can go to, I want to be that for people. And I'm hoping I can offer that. And that's why I'm launching my course. And it's going to be 200 bucks, $195. You can take my whole course, How to Build a Business in 30 Days. And it gives you every freaking aspect of you need of how to launch a business. Wow. Line item by line item for 200 bucks. And I'm doing that because if I had that course when I was 16 years old, dropped out of high school and was living on my own at 16 on the streets with not knowing exactly what to do, if I would have been able to grab that for 200 bucks, I mean, no telling where I'd be right now in life. So that's why we're building this. That's why we're doing this. And it's all really about giving back because we've been blessed. Well, I think a lot of people are going to benefit from it. And uh, a lot of people are telling you that, uh, by the way, your language is it's, it's your style and you're just real. So, man, uh, the comments are coming in, man. Cool. The comments well, are coming and in. I want to thank yeah. you for being here because yeah, absolutely. the dialogue, I always tell Lauren, I, I tell some of the staff here, it, it's, it takes the right person to bring a lot of this out of me. So I appreciate you being here sure. and, and being a part of this because I wouldn't be able to do this without you. Oh yeah, man. So it thank goes, you. It goes back to when we were working together and we would just man. sit in your office and do you remember? You, I'd ask you, I'd ask you two questions and we'd be two hours later and I'd have thirteen pages of notes and just all the different things. Those were those were fun days, man. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's great to to make this happen again. Uh, audience, um, really sincerely appreciate y'all tuning in. Sincerely trying to do this to help anybody out there. Yes. Don't hesitate to shoot me a DM. If you want to stay anonymous, I'll keep you anonymous. I really, it's my way of giving back. Uh, we've been so freaking blessed, and, and it's my way to contribute back uh, one of the ways. Anyhow, so Aaron Morellis, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, uh, sir. Team, guys, everybody that's here, thank y'all for y'all support. We're going to do this every two weeks, 11 o'clock, every other Friday at 11 o'clock, unless I get, unless I sneak away on a vacation, and then we'll make up for Yo. it, I promise. So thank y'all for tuning in. Much love, people, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Peace. guys.